Picking up our study of the, of the book of Mark, uh, learning about who Jesus is and, and all the blessings that he brings into our lives. We're going to be looking at verse 23 of Mark 2, all the way to chapter 3, verse 6. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his, desi- his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us this morning. We do a little word association, and I say the word rest to you. I'm guessing that the association is a very positive one. Who doesn't like to rest? I mean, how many of us are looking forward to an afternoon nap, even today? Nice time of rest for the body. Now, if I use the word Sabbath, uh, you probably aren't as excited about the word Sabbath as you are about the word rest. I'm not sure what image that conjures up for you. Maybe it's... uh, Maybe it's a similar image to what the Pharisees had of the Sabbath. But in all actuality, the word Sabbath means rest. They're the same word, just different languages. We have here today two uh, episodes in the life of Jesus. And I want us to see two things in these few minutes that we're looking at these passages. First, I want you to see an astounding claim that Jesus makes. And then I want you to also see... An astonishing gift that Jesus makes. So an astounding claim and an astonishing gift. Jesus, in verse 28 of chapter 2 here, makes an astounding claim. He says that the Son of Man, and that is Jesus' favorite designation of himself, and even when he says the Son of Man and calls himself the Son of Man, that is an astounding claim because he is actually referring to Daniel chapter 7 where Daniel uh, interprets the dream, and and the the dream is of the Ancient of Days and one like the Son of Man who was with him and before him and sitting at his right hand. In in actuality, what he's claiming there is to be the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. So Son of Man is a big claim in and of itself, but Jesus says the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath. That's the astounding claim that Jesus makes here. Now, we've already said that the word Sabbath means rest 
and the Sabbath was a day devoted to rest and worship. But the idea of this rest, this day of rest, came from God himself at creation. We read in Genesis 2 that the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from this work, from his, all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. What is Jesus claiming here in the passage before us this morning? Who is rightly the Sabbath's Lord or the Lord, the ruler and the master of the Sabbath? Well, that would be God himself. God is the one who instituted the Sabbath at creation. Therefore, Jesus is claiming here that he is the Lord of all creation. Of course, the Gospel of John agrees with this in chapter 1, those famous words. In the beginning was the Word. Of course, the Word is referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is claiming here, when he says that I'm the Lord of the creation, I mean the Lord of the Sabbath, that he is the one who spoke the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars into existence. He is the one who did the work of forming man from the dust of the ground. He is the one who instituted the Sabbath, and there is no rest apart from him. He invented the very idea of rest, and he gave that to mankind. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, in the first section, the disciples are walking through grain fields, and Jesus is with them, and they are harvesting on the Sabbath. Now, they're just picking heads of grain, which was lawful for them to do on most days, the other six days of the week, apparently. Uh, there was a, a, a statute, and you can read about it in the Old Testament, that allows people to walk through people's vineyards and pick the grapes, but they can't use any, uh, any tools to do so because that would be stealing. But if you're wandering through someone's field, you are allowed to pick some of the heads of grain for yourself. And that's what the disciples were doing. They were hungry. But it was the Sabbath day. And according to the Pharisees, this was a, a violation of the fourth commandment, which says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. Now, these Pharisees, who were they? Of course, they were, they were very conservative, traditional, religious people. But the word Pharisee really does describe what they were all about. The word means one who separates himself or keeps away from persons or things impure in order to attain the degree of holiness and righteousness required in those who would commune with God. See, the Pharisees were all about keeping the rules in order to, to be good enough for God. They made rules for how to keep the rules. They had rules on top of rules and rules for the rules. I'll give you an example. Over the centuries, the authorities within the rabbinical circles of Judaism found ways 
from examining the minuscule details of the law to increase the distance that an Israelite may travel on the Sabbath day. You know, you're, you're supposed to not travel on the Sabbath day. So in ancient times, they determined from studying the Bible that they could actually travel on the Sabbath a thousand yards. A thousand yards you were allowed to travel on the Sabbath. But after some time, the rabbis uh, reinterpreted the scriptures and they interpreted the word place. You're not supposed to travel from your place. They interpreted that as city. So that increased the size of the place that they could travel to 2,000 yards. And especially if you took your food and placed it outside of your home because that made that other place your home as well. So you could travel to and from that place. So 2,000 yards became uh, the standard by which you could travel. And then in the New Testament times, the Pharisees stretched that distance of traveling on the Sabbath a little farther. Their theory was that if you went 2,000 yards from your home on the Sabbath, then you'd also need to return to your home. So they increased it to 4,000 yards. So you could, you could walk about two and a half miles on a Sabbath day. So you see what a headache that would have been. How would you know if you walked 2,000 yards or 4,000 yards and how you kept up with all that? It just gets wearisome reading about it. And this is rules telling us how we're supposed to rest. I mean, that's just overwhelming, all the rules they had. There were 39 things, 39 activities that were forbidden on the Sabbath day. So they were having to keep up with all of this, these rules so they could understand how they could actually rest. And that's not restful at all. So here we see the Pharisees critical of Jesus, and you can understand from that description of them why they would be critical of Jesus. So Jesus is debating them, and he uses the account of David eating the holy bread that only the priests were allowed to consume at certain times. After the, they cooked new bread, they would take the old bread, the bread of the presence that was in the tabernacle, and the priests were the ones who were allowed to eat that after the bread had been replaced. Not David or his men, but only the priests. But in this episode, David comes to the priest Abiathar. Saul is trying to kill David, and he's on the run, and he doesn't have any food. So he comes and asks, do you have anything to eat? And the priest gives him this bread, and David in turn gives it to his men. Now, nowhere in Scripture is David or the priest condemned for this action. In fact, David is a great hero of faith to these people and to us as well. But Jesus here is greater than David. He is a greater king than David. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is lord even of the Sabbath, he tells the Pharisees. So if David can do it, how much more can Jesus do it, who is the lord of the Sabbath? So Jesus makes this astounding claim of being the one who invented and gives the Sabbath. He also says that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, what does that mean? The Sabbath is given to man. It's a gift, is what it means. And gifts are supposed to be a blessing, something good and enjoyable. But if you follow the Pharisees' line of thinking about the Sabbath, all the joy and pleasure is sucked out of it. The Pharisees' gift of the Sabbath... It's like one of those corn popper toys 
You know what I'm talking about. They're little domes with wheels on it, and you give it to a toddler. It's got a handle, and they push it around, and there's little balls inside this dome, and it pops and makes all this ringing and noise. It's the worst gift ever to give to a child uh, from a parent's perspective because it makes so much noise, and they're running around crazy. Uh, if you want to really uh, hurt your uh, if you're a grandparent and you really want to hurt your, your children, and get revenge on them, give, them, give your grandchildren one of these corn popper toys. It's annoying. Or any toy with a siren. That's awful. An annoying gift. The gift of the Sabbath in the Pharisees' eyes is an annoying gift. Who wants to keep up with all these rules and regulations? Jesus says the Sabbath is made for man. It's a gift to man. Man's not made to fit into the box of the Sabbath. So what is this astonishing gift of the Sabbath that the Lord of the Sabbath has given us? If it's a real gift, what's so wonderful about it? Well, we have this next episode. In the second episode in Mark 3, we have the healing of the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. And it says here that Jesus called the man up to the front of the synagogue and told him to stretch out his hand. And when he did, that hand was restored. The word restored means brought back to its original condition. Now, Jesus is all about restoration on the Sabbath. And isn't that what rest is all about? He asked the question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? And they don't answer it. The word good there means that which is significant or excellent. So what Jesus is saying is, To rest and to worship means that you're doing what is significant and excellent. You're focusing on those things. And of course, uh, to heal a man is something that is significant and is excellent. To ignore that, Jesus says, is to do harm. It's to actually work evil. You know, of course the Pharisees wouldn't say that working evil is something that you should do uh, on the Sabbath. But Jesus is saying to ignore this man's problem and to not heal him is a work of evil. So to ignore uh, doing good is just as bad as actually doing wickedness is what Jesus is saying here. So Jesus has given us this gift, this gift of restoration. And that's what rest is all about. Of course, it involves physical rest. You know, taking a nap on the Sabbath day is A-OK. I'm all for it myself. Uh, when Jesus, when uh, God gave the Israelites the law, he said, Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. Then he lists off everybody. You shouldn't do any work, not even your servants. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. And he blessed that day and he made it holy. It's a day set apart for rest. But not only is it a day for physical rest, It's a day for spiritual rest. Not only is there physical restoration, we rest from our work. We take a break from the daily grind of our jobs. And we rest and we physically get restored, but we also get a spiritual rest. Jesus provides that. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And he gives us this rest. Hebrews chapter 4 says, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
we enter that rest by believing the gospel, the good news of Jesus and what he's come to do for us. The rest begins when we rest from our good works and our own righteousness and experience forgiveness of sins through Christ alone. All the sweating and anxious striving is over. And that's what the Pharisees were all about. Remember what I told you about the Pharisees? They were, they were, uh, they were people who kept away from persons or things impure in order to attain the degree of holiness and righteousness required in those who would have a relationship with God. So they were following all those rules, trying to be good enough for God. And that is not restful. Because if you ever tried it, have you ever tried to say, okay, I'm going to follow the Ten Commandments to the letter? Well, the first question you have to start asking is, okay, you know, how do I do that? And then you start having to make rules for the commandments. And you have to have guidelines as to what actually is required. What, it, what is breaking it and what is not breaking it. And I tell you, you'll wear yourself out because, A, you will never be able to keep the commandments perfectly. And you will never, uh, you will never know if the breaking of the commandment that you do is, is too much or too little. How can we, I mean, you can run yourself crazy and become so wearied through that. But the wonderful thing that Jesus provides us is that we don't have to think about that anymore. See, our obedience to God's law is not what saves us. It not was, it's not what rescues us. It's, it's not what gives us a relationship with God. Jesus came and he did that for us. He kept the law perfectly. He actually always kept the Sabbath. Even though the Pharisees accused him of breaking it, he kept it perfectly always. And that goes for every other law as well. He did that in our place. So that when we put our faith in him, all his righteousness gets credited to our account. So God sees that. God the Father accepts us based on Jesus' righteousness that is credited to our account. It's like if you were in debt, millions of dollars in your bank account. Not that a bank would ever allow that to happen in these days. But Jesus' account has billions of dollars in it. And Jesus trades accounts with you. So that now your credit is all good. And Jesus pays off all your debts. That's a picture of what Jesus has done for you. And when you accept that and know that, you have rest for your soul. And that's the Sabbath rest that Jesus gives. So when we gather together on a Sunday... What we're wanting to do is be restored spiritually. We want to reflect on what Jesus has done for us in dying uh, in our place, in fulfilling all righteousness for us. Uh, we're, we're being restored spiritually and built up and strengthened in that and reminded of it again. And that's one of the ways that we gauge, are we keeping the Sabbath? Are we gathering together with the people of God? Are we taking the day out to recharge our spiritual batteries by reflecting on the gospel? So spiritual rest, but also restoration uh, stretches beyond ourselves. You know, Jesus restores this man's hand and it's a picture. You know, all of our hearts, our souls, our lives, our relationships are shriveled like the Pharisees. I mean, you see these people, these Pharisees, their hearts are shriveled. They have no compassion for this man with a withered hand. Uh, they actually, at the end... On the Sabbath day, after they have condemned Jesus for healing a man, 
They gather with the Herodians, it says, and they begin to plot how to destroy Jesus. Now tell me, that's not breaking the Sabbath. To, to plot someone's murder on the Sabbath? I'm pretty sure that's forbidden. So Jesus here is bringing about restoration. And that is, going, that is a picture of our souls. Yes, we're restored. But it, it's going to be extended to all of creation one day. So we have this hope that looms in the future. When Jesus returns, he's going, to, he's going to fix what's broken in all of creation. You know, the earth is under a curse. We, uh, we are sinners and our lives are broken. And Christ is going to come and heal all that. There's not going to be any hurricanes or flooding in the new heavens and new earth. There's not going to be sin or death or any of that. Jesus is going to restore it. And that's what Jesus is all about. So as we reflect on the Sabbath, as we reflect on... How do we keep the Sabbath? Think about that. How can we reflect on what is good and excellent? How can we recharge our physical selves and our spiritual selves? And, and how can we go about showing mercy and bringing that restoration into our world to those who are our neighbors and friends? That's, I'm not going to sit here, Jesus doesn't sit there and tell the Pharisees, here's a list of things that you need to do for the Sabbath. I'm not going to do that either. But you, it needs to be about restoration, because that's what Jesus was all about. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus said this to us? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He offers this rest to us all. All we have to do, like the man with the withered hand, Jesus said, just stretch out your hand, and he was restored. All we have to do is stretch ourselves out to the Lord. Reach out to him, and he will give us rest for our souls. Let's pray together. And let's pray, confessing our sins to the Lord, using the the prayer that we have in the bulletin. This speaks of the restlessness that we have in our souls and the, the need we have of, of Christ coming in. And if you've never reached out to the Lord, invite you to pray this and reach out to Him today. And all of us confessing our sins to the Lord. O oh Lord, we praise You that since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You truly have given us a peace that the world cannot give. Yet, our Father, we confess that our lives are full of restlessness. We lament the far-reaching effects of sin in our lives. There is no part of us that is untainted by it. We have been created to praise and enjoy You, but we spend our lives pursuing other loves. You have ordered our weeks, graciously giving us a full day for worship and refreshment in you. But too often we devote your day to entertainment or catching up on our work, filling our lives with things which cannot satisfy. You have given us Christ, who is the believer's righteousness, but we still try to show you how good we are. We seek to cover our guilt with penance or promises to do better rather than trusting that the chastisement which brings us peace was upon our Savior. O oh God, 
our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. Cleanse us, renew us, fill us, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.